0: See
1: this. All right, I'm trying to see if we are live, according to, there we go, we are live, that's fantastic. Okay. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carlos Phoenix with the Indie Lounge, the Lounge Network, and I am here with a very special guest, an old friend of mine, a TV producer and content creator, um, director, camera guy, host. He does it all, and the guy does it all over the world. His name is Robert Rose, and I want to welcome Robert Rose. Thank you so much for joining us, Robert.
0: Hey, guys. What's going on? How are you doing, Carlos? I'm doing
1: great. How are you, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. You know, it's a busy time of year. It's my favorite time of year, the fall. Uh, I'm usually stuck in New York City, and this is my favorite time to be in New York City. So it's the one time of the year I don't mind not traveling.
1: Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> he yeah. does it every all year long, but there's a one time of the year he does it. He likes to travel.
0: I don't like to be in New York in February. Call me crazy, or August. Oh, yeah, it's
1: cold, and
0: or it's nasty hot. Yeah, yeah. I, the whole idea with this gig was to try to avoid bad weather. Um, doesn't always work out that way, but that was, I think, the initial plan when I first started it. Well, let me uh, let
1: me start off with a couple of questions. Um, one uh, for those who may not know who you are, for those who have just never experienced Robert Rose or the show or any of your background, let's just uh, mention who you are, what you've done, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, right now I'm uh, the host and producer of Raw Travel, uh, but before that. Um, well, I've always worked in media, so uh, way back a long time ago, I was like an ad sales guy, and then I uh, started producing for myself um, and have been in business for myself since the year 2000. And um, you know, I've had a couple of independently produced shows, uh, more than a couple, but uh, uh, I used to produce a Latin show way back in the day called American Latino and another one called Latin Nation uh, create created those with some uh, other folks, uh, some folks that are working with me right now through Raw Travel, uh, and uh, some Latin people, actually, some Latinos. So, uh, you know, I did that for about eight years and uh, sold the company, took some time off to travel, and that's where Raw Travel sort of had its genesis. Uh, basically, I was traveling in Latin America, and I was just you know, having these amazing experiences I'd never had before in my life and um, was just perplexed why those experiences that I was having and other people were having weren't on places like the Travel Channel. Uh, The travel shows that I saw just were kind of luxury, five-star hotel, uh, really sort of sending out a message that if you want to travel, you need to be rich or famous um, when uh, actually the opposite is true. Uh, You don't need to be rich or famous And uh, in many ways, traveling can be um, not only a more rewarding experience than living uh, in the United States, but can be cheaper uh, than living in the United States, depending on where you live. I live in Manhattan, so it's kind of expensive. So sometimes I save money when I go travel. So I thought this would be a pretty um, good way to combine my passions of storytelling and traveling and hopefully um, impact people in a positive manner and reflect more accurately uh, the experiences that you can have when you travel and maybe inspire more people to travel. Because I think when you travel, uh, not only do you enhance your life, you enhance other people's lives. And uh, and even when you return, you know, those lessons stay with you. And uh, if you're a better person, you make the be- people around you better people, people as well. And, uh, Sorry about that. Uh, no worries. <laughs> well, that's a long answer, man. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine. You asked me to tell you about myself, so I did.
1: Now, a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where were you born?
0: Uh, Well, I'm from Tennessee originally, and I've lived in New York uh, off and on for the past 20 years or so, Uh, but I lived abroad in Columbia for a year, and I lived in Los Angeles for uh, almost two years. Uh, I loved L.A. I lived in Santa Monica, you know. Uh, I loved being on the beach, but I was a little bit too... uh, removed from uh, the daily that I need, and so I moved back to New York City, um, where sometimes I wonder if that was the right move or not. But, you know, here I am, and what I like about living in either New York or L.A. or major cities that, you know, allows me to travel. It allows me to get out, get out pretty quickly. Uh, though, you know, with the state of air travel these days, I, I wonder sometimes because I don't think I've had a flight land or leave on time in about two years from New York City area, <laughs> you know, and some of them are downright, oh, miserable, you know, so you're like, oh, God, how can I how can I continue to do this? You know, it's, it's making life tough, but, um, you know, uh, I, I, I hope to do more long-term travel again like I did when this show actually began, and uh, that might be the answer, you know. Now, what is that? Well, first of
1: all, uh, thank you, everybody, who's joining us. Um, if you can and if you think this will be fun, we're going to talk a lot about traveling uh, all over the world, And I think a lot of people are really into traveling. So, if you would love, I would appreciate you if you would share uh, this show, and um, and that way, more people that you may know who are into traveling can then learn and ask questions. It's live, it's interactive. So, if you're here, please say hello in the comments so that we know that you're there. And uh, he's keeping an eye on your questions, so he's going to answer questions that pop up in real time. So that's cool. All right, so. Oh, okay. So we've known each other for a long time, but I've known you, you know, for so long that I've never seen you not be in media. Um, What got you into media, first of all? And then we're going to go into your travel
0: stuff. Yeah, no. um, It was, uh, you know, in college, I majored in advertising, thinking I was going to work for an ad agency. This is a long time ago. Was it the Mad Men era? (laughs) But it was back when advertising was. uh, I don't know. It's kind of sexy, I guess. It was better than like my other options, which are like accounting, law, law or insurance, you know, which I didn't want to do. Um, mainly because I'm really bad at math and there's no way I was going to get to law school. And um, uh, insurance has no interest, though I do it. I am fully covered. Um, but I would say, you know, I was just like majoring in advertising because I didn't have to take accounting. And, uh, you know, when it got time to graduate, I... I was a good student. I had a scholarship and all that stuff, but I didn't really apply myself that much. You know, uh, I just, uh, was trying to sort of skate through and my last semester, I was like, oh man, now I got to get a job. You know, I didn't have the luxury of a gap year. Unfortunately, I had, um, you know, some student loans I needed to pay. And so, uh, went out with, uh, a radio sales rep in, uh, Nashville, my hometown or close to my hometown. And, um, He was a young guy. He was driving like a BMW. Best I could tell, all he did was go around and give away concert tickets. And people would love to see him. And they were like, ah, because he was giving them concert tickets. And I was like, I want this guy's job. He's making money, he's making people happy. And, uh, you know, uh, I had never been exposed to that kind of lifestyle. So that's how I got into media. Um, And I remember, you know, always thinking that media had such an influence on people's lives that it would be a good place to be. And I don't know if I thought through that fully of it, but I do remember those thoughts going through my head. And now that I'm in it, um, one of the things that makes me uh, so, I guess, satisfied with the career choice i made is, is the fact that media has become extremely influential and uh, much to my dismay uh, many times in a negative sense. And so what I want to do with Raw Travel is try to counteract that in what little way we can and try to be a positive influence as much as possible. Um, but it's kind of hard. We're independent. We're really small, but uh, I get a lot of satisfaction out of, out of that part of the business.
1: Now, um, so you, you at some point you decided, uh, I'm going to leave this media. I'm going to go into travel. And you started right. the concepts of Raw Travel. Um, and. If anybody's ever seen our previous episodes over the years, um, they would know that uh, we've discussed that and we've gotten deep into the business aspects of raw travel. But this is now five years. This is your fifth season of of doing this show. And it's, uh, one, it's very beautifully shot considering that it's completely independent. So for those who have not seen the show, it is 100% completely independently done. He's just out there with a couple of camera dudes, and, and, I mean, it's well planned. It's not like he's just randomly showing up places, but, right. you know, it, um, that's a huge endeavor without a huge production team, production company, uh, right. the backing of a network and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's an, an enormous, titanic thing to take over, to, to take on. Right. Did you know it going to be that difficult initially?
0: It is a lot like the Titanic. Um, it feels like. <laughs> there were an iceberg ahead. Uh, yes, I did know that. I, I think I knew that. What I didn't know or didn't think, Carlos, was that I didn't know if it was going to work or not. That's what I didn't know. Uh, but I had this sort of gut instinct, which I follow, um, mainly because it's been pretty good to me. And also because I, I feel like you got to pursue what... Is in your heart, right? So it felt like it was in my heart and it was the right thing to do. And I remember thinking how very difficult it was going to be. And was I crazy? Because really, honestly, I was enjoying life. I was just traveling. I was pretty relatively stress-free. But I was also a little bit bored and unfulfilled. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, I got into it. I wanted to marry, you know, uh, uh, video storytelling with traveling. Right. And uh, what has occurred over the last five years, because this is our fifth season, is that storytelling has become, uh, in some ways, easier. Because now I can shoot with an iPhone 7, for example, and it's beautiful footage, and if the lighting's good and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, you have all these things like drone shots now that are you're going to see a lot in uh, season five that really add to the production value, Osmos, which give it the can look. And these are very relatively inexpensive ways to up the production value. Um, that said, it is an incredibly difficult enterprise, not from the production point of view as much, even though it is from the production point of view, but from the business side of things. We have 168 affiliates, so corralling wow. all those affiliates, that's, that's kind of tough, you know. And that's, a, that's a, a result of consolidation in the media industry, which has been good to us. But I don't necessarily think it's good for the industry or for, um, you know, diversity of voices and things like that. Um, but what, what we do you are uh, just because, you know, when when you have a clear channel, you know, uh, or someone like clear channel. What are they? iHeartRadio radio now programming to 300 markets. You're going to hear the same radio formats, market to market, generally speaking. And the same thing could very easily happen to TV. And I think that's wrong. Um, I think it's not good. I think with TV strengths that it has, broadcast TV in particular, or local TV, is their localism and their ability to be local. Um, And, um, you know, cable has done a good job of, uh, you know, uh, kicking broadcast TV's butt creatively over the last 20 years. But now they're getting their butts kicked from Netflix and, and online and so now it's a little bit of a free-for-all, and broadcast as an opportunity as a renaissance a medium. And, uh, and it is becoming that way. People don't want to pay for cable can get TV over the air for free. And for me, I don't care. If it's on TV, it's on the Internet, it doesn't matter. I just got to be able to make a living. And if I can make a living and put out a product, then I'll, I'll keep doing it. Sweet.
1: All right, so cool. Now, you've done four seasons. Can you break down the types of seasons that you've had, like the locations you've been to?
0: Yeah, so season one was largely Latin America, and that's because we I was living in Colombia when the show actually began production. Um, and so uh, we just finished it out. You know, we knew Latin America, my camera uh, partners, the, the collaborators were Spanish-speaking, and we knew Latin America. So we literally bust all the way through Central America um, uh, through season one. So from Mexico down to Panama with a few stops like in Argentina – that was season one. Season two, we got a little more diverse and went to Eastern Europe, one of my favorite trips of all time. Uh, we did uh, six weeks in Eastern Europe filming uh, with a, to- a different crew. Um, and then uh, then I went to Asia and, uh, and then started experimenting with some U.S. destinations as well. So season two, started getting more diverse. Uh, season three, we did a road trip through uh, western United States uh, Utah, Colorado, a trip I'd always personally wanted to take. And one of my most fulfilling episodes, uh, maybe not the most beautiful, you know, looking, but storytelling, one of my most fulfilling was at the Pine Ridge Native American Reservation in South Dakota, the poorest county in the United States. Being there on the 4th of July, um, partaking of a 4th of July powwow in the poorest county in the United States, um, was uh, mind blowing. It was just it was so emotional, man. Uh, it still is. And then um, season four, uh, we went to the Caribbean and we snuck into Cuba. And I say snuck in, meaning that, you know, I don't mind saying, it, man, I went through Mexico. I didn't tell Fidel, he wasn't alive, I don't think, but I didn't tell his brother Raul that we were there. And, um, you know, I was nervous out of my mind because they do bad things to people who sneak in, journalists in particular. Uh, and maybe don't report in. I'm just glad they didn't put sonic uh, uh, terrorism in my ears like they did the U.S. Embassy, uh, or you know. And so, I, but the reason we snuck into Cuba is we wanted to show a real side of Cuba, uh, and then went to Haiti, which was also kind of bucket list kind of episode I wanted to produce because I'd always been curious about Haiti, um, wanted to see it in my own eyes, what was going on there, and uh, helped tremendously. Season five uh, is a little mishmash of everything, man. We got Peru. Uh, we've got uh, one more episode for Quebec, Canada. We shot a lot when we were there. Um, we've got Guadeloupe coming up, uh, which is, uh, if you guys don't know where that is, it's not in Mexico, it's in the French Caribbean. It's beautiful islands, pretty much untouched by the hurricanes. Uh, thank goodness. Um, and we've got. Uh, Spain and Italy. I mean, sorry, Spain and Portugal. We took a river cruise, uh, and then we're taking another cruise on a really interesting barge ship through the Marquesas Islands, uh, which is in French Polynesia. Uh, and then we got the Azores coming up. So we got a lot, a lot, and then maybe China. So a lot of stuff coming on in season five. Let's keep talking about. it, I'm gonna get exhausted. And have to take a nap. So
1: <laughs> too many All places. Right. So, so I'm showing a little bit of a preview. I think that's Peru.
0: Yeah, that's Peru. That's this weekend's episode. Awesome. Or maybe actually that's next weekend's episode. We did two episodes for the Southern Road Trip, so that's yeah. next weekend's episode. So, yeah, we did uh, season one. Uh, this first episode is uh, the, the Southern Coast, and then we continued the journey. And uh, so we're doing a lot of those. We'll do one installment, and then there'll be a second installment uh, sort of completing the story. Cause I have 20 minutes is tough. 20, 20, minutes. is tough to tell a story, you know, so we'll break it up sometimes. All right, so somebody asked ahead. me,
1: yes, yeah, there's some okay, comments. Right. Go ahead.
0: Now somebody asked me, if we we're going to go to Panama soon. And I'm like, we were there in season one. So that'll be online at some point this year. So
1: I yeah, so, uh, uh, wanted to say hello to Mia, Walter, Johanna. Um, thank you guys for joining. Please share if you think, uh, Friends and family would enjoy learning and knowing more about not only the show but traveling in general. Um, and Walter saying, uh, "Glad you visit, visited Argentina," and yeah, uh, and one, Johanna, love is, Argentina. yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Johanna wants to work for you, <laughs> <laughs> as we all. Okay,
2: yeah. If, I, if, I, if you the that show went
1: live, I even asked. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I said, "Hey, uh, I'm sending my application." So does
0: that mean you want to get paid, Johanna? <laughs> no. Yeah, no uh you know we we're a small type crew and it's it's not that we're uh trust me people want to work with us till they go and the trip with us and then it's sometimes I, it's it's hard man. It's hard getting people that um have experience that want to get it's hard. It's just tough man. Yeah, like these previous
1: episodes tough. that we've um now remember it's just completely independent. So you don't have security, you don't have like bodyguards. Um, you know, in previous episodes we've talked in fact I think we were in your apartment in New York and we had talked about how you've been to some countries and, and they blatantly robbed you
0: yeah well I hate getting ripped off man whether I'm in the United States or anywhere else it's like the one thing in my brain there's something passed down generations through my Irish heritage I guess where if something negative happened to you you had to like fight for yourself because no one else is going to fight for you. So that um, instinct is full on when I'm traveling. I'm pretty much like, you know, my best version of myself when I travel, I think, and that's what I like about it uh, because I um, empathy is there. Everything is there. I'm not worried about my day-to-day problems. I'm more observing and, and introspective. But when somebody rips me off, even if it's just like a dollar in the taxi, um I, I can really get, I can get really, you know, angry about that. And so we did an episode called When Travel Goes Wrong that I really love um, this season because uh, those were hard-earned segments. And a lot of it was filmed with the iPhone, um, you know, not great sound. That's why we haven't done it before, but stranded in now the crowd. I can figure how to use,
1: you know, good audio on your iPhone, but we'll get into that no. Next time.
0: No, yeah, and we're definitely getting into that now. But a lot of this was from four or five years ago. And quite frankly, we had no idea that we were going to do an episode. So we were just, you know, a lot of times we didn't even think to document it until after the fact. Uh, But, you know, we were stranded in the Karagana Airport for 18 hours thanks to South African Airways. And they were just lying to their customers. And we were like, you know what? I understand that they have mechanical issues, but the way they're handling it is criminal. And so we're going to film this. And so when travel goes wrong, uh, you know, we talk about that. And I believe them out because I don't want to put up with the legal issues of of having them do a cease and desist. But now you know, if you're watching this webcast, who it was. And uh, the bottom line is we want to hold people to task and say, these are travelers, man. And just when people are traveling, they're sort of, um, you know, they're in a vulnerable position, and I'm happy to say that 90% of the human race, when someone is vulnerable, they will take care of them. And that is a wonderful feeling. But that 10% or 5% or whatever that percentage is that has the opposite reaction, well, those are the people that I want to take the task. And those are the people, whether it be a corporation or a human being that doesn't treat people properly, um, I'm going to expose them. I'm going to do whatever I can. If they try to mug me, I'm going to fight. You know, I This mean- is what I'm going to do.
1: Now, okay. Uh, going back to comments, uh, Walter wants to work with you for free, but Walter, somebody <laughs> has to pay for those plane tickets and all that type of stuff. So it's not really free. Uh, Don't do
0: it, Walter. Just enjoy travel, brother. That's
1: what uh, I Lay, says, um, did you eat anything that you got sick from? So have you ever? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes. Uh, do you want basically. To delve into
1: that? <laughs> Go ahead.
0: No, no, a couple times. Uh, one of them you'll see on when travel goes wrong um, in Mexico, first season. First shoot of <laughs> season one, really, uh, or like maybe day two. And so uh, I think it was because I love my crew, but sometimes, you know, they wanted to eat spaghetti. And I'm like, really? Mexico City? So we went and had spaghetti, and I don't know, me and when, uh, Renzo, we had spaghetti, we both got sick. I got sicker than Renzo, but uh, uh, Moses had something else. He didn't well, they're using their water. Spaghetti. Exactly. It was stupid. Yeah, so we shouldn't have eaten spaghetti. But I didn't want spaghetti. I wanted tacos, man. I'm like, you're in Mexico it's have Mexican food. But, you know, we try to, you know, be democratic when we're traveling. Uh, And then in South Africa, I got super, super ill, um, and I'm pretty sure I was eating. We were touring an eco-friendly garden, and she was like, eat that. And I just ate it, and then the next day I was so ill. (laughs) <laughs> um But, you know, my on-camera persona, so basically on camera, I'd be like, hey! and as soon as camera script rolling, I just went and put my head on the Oof. thing. It was just so sick, so, so sick, but because I mean, we have money, on the, we have episodes we have to do, people are getting paid, I can't afford to take a day off and just chill. All
1: right, Uh so my own mother is watching this show, and she's asking, when do you plan All on right. going to Dubai?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, I actually, we're actually broadcasting Dubai on Nat Geo People, and nice. I have a, an old uh, college chum who sees me and messages me when he sees me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about Dubai. Uh, I'm very interested in that whole area of the world. Um, Dubai doesn't strike me as the rawest of travel there, but um, culturally, I think it definitely would qualify. And we're trying to sort of expand what it means to be a raw traveler. It doesn't always mean going to Haiti. I mean, traveling to Haiti is rough.
1: So explain trying a little bit of that. Nature. Explain the rawness uh, that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think raw could just be real, authentic. And and however that is, and I mean, we went to see a flamenco show in Spain, and somebody posted like, you know, too many tourists or you can do better. And I'm like, really? Flamenco? Like it's a <laughs> negative thing to go see a flamenco show while you're in Spain? That's just ridiculous so we try not to get caught up on the definitions like what I'm trying to do is broaden travel to as many different people as possible so as many different people as possible will take a trip whether that's volunteering in Haiti or doing a river cruise in Spain two wildly different trips you know what I like them both and some people won't do the river cruise but we'll do the volunteerism. and some people the opposite there's nothing wrong with either one of them so long as you're having an authentic real genuine experience and, and you're growing out of that. I think it's, uh, it's a worthwhile trip.
1: Now, Rob, if I can have you just center yourself just a little bit into camera. There you go. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not to stay out of the sun,
1: We're but... like watching me like this. Okay, cool. Now, um, I'm going to take a quick break. It is not a commercial break. but I, w- I do want to show, though, it is a, um, a promotion of your show. So I want to be able to show okay. someone. And, you know, if we, we may have people who have never seen your show. So I want to show at least a trailer yeah. of what that looks like and um, have them get exposed to your content. So let me cue that up. and
0: Peru's coastal region is the definition <coughs> of surreal beauty, where vast, dusty deserts give way to deep ocean waters brimming with sea life. Many travelers aren't even aware of the natural splendor, unique culture, and diverse adventures awaiting those who explore here. Locals know all too well how to escape the jam-packed Gringo Trail. We're hooking up with some and taking a road slightly less traveled as we head from Lima down Peru's southern coast, exploring attractions and towns along the way. Come with us as we explore Peru's magnificent southern Pacific coast. Travel, for some, it's a luxurious escape. Or maybe an adrenaline-filled adventure, but if you're like me, it's a precious opportunity to discover and to give back. It's time to get real. It's time to get raw. It's time for raw travel.
1: Ooh, I love that.
0: <laughs> I love
1: your like the, the the whole like voiceover stuff that you do. All right, cool deal. So, oh yeah. Uh, so
0: it's <laughs> gonna be my. That's your signature. My my plan B if. Plan A doesn't work out.
1: Well, Just it's do been voiceovers. five years, so...
0: I'm not in the union. Yeah, man. No, no. I actually enjoy voiceovers. I do them here in my apartment, right back here. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, on the Zoom mic, I'll do them on the road. So, it's technology's awesome, man, sometimes, when it works.
1: All right. A couple of... Oh, sorry about that. I'm going to put some comments on screen sorry.
0: here. Hey, good to see you, Tito. Tito from Chicago. So uh, this
1: show is the best says Tam, um, Peace and Truth by Mia, and Johanna says, I am most at home when I'm traveling. That's good. That means the world is your home. Yeah,
0: me too. So, That's right. Um, I, I agree with you, uh, John.
1: You were talking about your uh, when you go take your vacations and you're giving back, um, and you have a name for it. The vac- um, Voluntourism. <laughs> Voluntourism. So uh want to just touch up a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody who donated um, back in uh, the spring. We were um, our camera guy that we hired in Peru. He was a German expat living in Peru, had a Peruvian wife and a couple of kids. And um, he actually was not uh, – he's more of a still photographer than a videographer, but I hired him because – I knew he could do videography, but I also hired him mainly because, uh, Sasha, Sasha was his name. He was all about volunteerism. He's done many trips, done many different things. And, uh, you know, he hit me up with this idea. There's this poor school that his sister-in-law, um, uh, taught at an elementary school, uh, with like a hundred kids, really in very rural Peru and they couldn't afford school supplies and they couldn't afford school uniforms and whatnot. So we were like, you know, how can we help these guys and also create a segment for the show? And so we are like, well, let's get our viewers involved. Because viewers are always asking me when they see something, they're like, how can I help out? So we thought, excuse me, this would be a really good way, excuse me, for them to be able to participate and help out. And so basically, um, I don't know, you know, 18 or so folks uh, donated anywhere from 5 to 50, maybe a little bit more. uh, And we bought... We, we, our goal is 500 bucks, 500 bucks buys a lot of school supplies. That's what I love about giving back. It's like, it doesn't need, you don't need a lot of money. Uh, you don't need to be the red cross. You do not need to be, you know, world vision to have an impact You can do it one on one. So we were able to raise uh, 590 bucks above our goal. We bought pencils, paper, just the most basic of stuff for these kids that were so cute. And, um, you know, it's it's basically the most fulfilling part of this show, period. And a story for me... And that's a segment of your uh, I don't know show, almost every episode. <clears throat> it is, man, and I don't care if it ever makes money or not. I'm always going to do that. And if uh, the show doesn't work out, I'll still do that. And uh, I've even thought about just traveling abroad, volunteering, and just documenting that when this is all said and done. Uh, probably, probably will do that because I believe in it not just from a point of view of like, you know, helping people or just for what it means to me, what it means to people, um, what it says about the human race because it's so easy to to get down on the human race Um, and, you know, with all the negativity and divisiveness to think that this is horrible, that this, you know, this, this world is going to hell in a handbasket and maybe it is, but the reality is we're in less wars than ever before. And the reality is uh, if you are in need, 95% of the world's population will help you. So we want to make sure that uh, people in the United States in particular are not cynical about the world because we live in a bubble, you know? And uh, sometimes it's a good bubble, sometimes it's not a good bubble. You get outside
1: that bubble and see how the rest of the world lives. So talk, talk a little bit about that. So here you are, you're basically an American and you go to some areas that are more rural than the touristy locations. And, you know, uh, speaking of the bubble, sometimes we go to countries and we don't realize that people don't look upon America the same way we would like, yeah, of course we're America. So any, any right. thing you want to add to that?
0: Well, I would just say I'm amazed at people's capacity to judge people by the individual, Like, they may not agree politically with the United States, uh, you know, depending on where you go, um, but I've never had any negativity for being an American. Um, It was a great experience when I lived in Colombia as a gringo uh, because I was the other. And whenever you've been the other, you become more empathetic to other others. And so, for example, when I moved back and, um, you know, I'm not a minority, I guess, uh, so to speak, but I sort of got a taste for what that felt like or could feel like uh, to always sort of stand out. And um, most of those experiences, 99% of them were good. Uh, You still, like I said, get that 1% when somebody tries to take advantage of you, rob you, do whatever, Um, you know, and that's where I really take offense, not just for what happens to me, but what about other travelers? What about elderly travelers? What about female travelers? people that are vulnerable, and anyone that would take advantage of a vulnerable person, uh, you know, I I, I have no qualms about calling them out on it, uh, letting them know how I feel, and, um, you know, kicking their ass if we have to, whatever.
1: Now, what are your highlights of doing this show? I'm I'm sure there's plenty of, like, tiredness and and all all that traveling is exhausting. Um, I, I do very little travel, yeah. and I get exhausted just thinking about it. So, but what yeah. what are the good things? What are the highlights of the show? Of doing not the show, but your experiences doing the show.
0: Well, I think I'm almost a jet, um, like addicted to jet lag now um, <clears throat> because it, I kind of get a buzz out of it. I'm like, oh, sleep deprivation. I remember this, and then I f- f- sort of moving through a fog. What's tough is filming like that, um, and uh, but there's tricks to the trade. You know, obviously, I drink a lot of coffee. Um, but I don't look great on camera, you know, really tired. And the older I get, the less I want to look at myself on camera. I never did really want to. Um, and so, you know, the older I get, the the more difficult that gets to be to say, oh, yeah, I look tired. But I quit being vain, ironically, when I put myself on TV, because I think I thought I was cool before I put myself on TV. And then I'm like, you're actually kind of geeky, nerdy, whatever, kind of goofball, and uh when you think you're trying to be cool, so I'm like, "All right, it's freedom <laughs> suddenly I'm like, "Oh, I don't have to be cool all the time or be cooler than school right and um just be yourself, and so I've tried to just be myself every now and then. I catch myself being a, a you know a jerk, and I don't mean to be, but it's just how you come across on camera and things taken out of context, and sometimes I am you know uh, I'm a human being, so um you know, what I love about travel, though, is when I'm away from the camera and I'm able to go out and just be among regular people. And I remember this one experience I had when I was in Serbia. My crew, I let them sleep in weak and hard, working hide hard, everybody just jet two weeks, and I went to this sort of, I just ran in the middle of Belgrade, Serbia, and uh, you know, the jet lag. It's probably emotional, like it does certain things to you, maybe, you know, like that you wouldn't normally think. But I was moved to tears just by hanging out in a park with these people because they were so um, – you could tell they had a hard life, man. They had just been through a war. Um, They had a hard life. And you could see it etched on their faces. And I just felt for them so much. Um, I would have loved to have given them all a group hug, you know? And, and when that happens, um, you know, as bittersweet as that feels, um, I, 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 I've come down to earth and I get better perspective. Because it's so easy to get caught up into, like, you know, producing the show and trying to make it a success and getting your ego. I love it when the ego is put to the side and, and you see how other people live. It's awesome.
1: Now, um, audience, uh, those who want to say hello, please say hello. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, please, if you have any questions that you might want answered, maybe about a place that you want to go to. He's pretty much covered most of the planet with the exception of a couple of um, Antarctic continents. Uh, and I don't know if that's part of the plans. But um, I just yeah. wanted to let it, uh, give out an opportunity for everybody who's watching live. The, the benefit of being live is that you can participate and you can ask questions. And we're here to do that for you. All right. So um, let's talk about some of the hardships in the countries like you just mentioned. Uh, Where have you seen, have you gone and maybe not expected it to be in worse conditions than you thought?
0: Uh, You mean uh, where it was worse than I thought going in or it was not as bad as I thought Oh, worse than I thought?
1: You you got there and you're like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And this situation Uh, just dire. If if you've even experienced that,
0: yeah, no, I have. Uh, uh, Haiti. I knew it was going to be bad in Haiti. Uh, My my uh, co-producer, camera guy Renzo, had been before, and so he told me some stories. Young kids eating dirt because of the iron deficiency in their diet, distended bellies. Um, When I was in Ghana, I remember we were hanging out, and there was uh, you know we were at a farm, and I saw this kid; he was so cute, playing for the camera, and I remember when I got back and saw the footage. I'm like, oh, his belly's distended. He's he hasn't he doesn't get good nutrition, um, you know. So when you see some people don't want to see that, I get it, you know. But I do uh, because I want to see reality. Because then I feel like I'm I'm not hiding from that, and uh, maybe I can help in some way. And so when we were at um, in Haiti. It was it was definitely as bad or worse than I expected. Um, you know, power went out. It was a challenging shoot. Um, it was everything that you know you're told about Haiti, but it was also, as in most cases, the most shocking, and it was the most one of the most fulfilling because we, we you know went to the Freedom House where they take care of kids who are actually sold into slavery by the parents because they can't afford to um, take care of them. They're called restivics, and they're given to families who are supposed to adopt them and take them to school and take care of them, and instead use them as servants. And so these kids have been rescued. And, um, at Freedom House, just a great organization and the children were just awesome. I mean, kids, man, it's hard. It's hard, man. When you were kids, it's like, it's hard for me to keep it together. Sometimes, um, I try not to get too emotional when I'm there. I just try to have a good time and absorb it. And, um, you know, at, at, at the same time that it was worse, Carlos, it also in many ways was better. It's like, it's not. You know, Mad Max and Thunderdome. It's not everybody's for himself kind of thing. There's a society here and there's people actually, you know, helping each other out. And there's some sense to this. So in many ways, Haiti was both. It was both worse and better in many ways. And, and that's the, 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 the thing I found everywhere I went. Um, the one exception to all that rule saying it's worse, but not better would be Cuba. Cuba's worse than I expected. And, um, it's just—it's a sad place, man, in my, my view. It's a sad place. Mm. No human rights, man. And it just bums me out.
1: Um, yeah, that's hard to hear. Um, uh, I do want to touch on some of these comments before I let them build up too much. So let's see. Um, one person said, uh, proud to air while travel on my air. That's from Pamela. Uh, I love everything about <laughs> this show. Providence. There we go. Thank you, Indian. man. Nice to see you guys. First time to watch Facebook Live. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, we we should do some more of these. And what was the most dangerous experience that you've had?
0: Uh, I mean, I've been robbed uh, and mugged, and and those make great stories, but they're not the typical travel experience, so I try to stay away from them. Um, But what I think that has done is it's, like, affected my psyche a little bit, so I'm uber careful uh, even in New York, if I'm at a Starbucks, like I don't let go of my computer bag. It's with me at all times because I have been robbed. Um, so just little tricks of the trade. I'm a much smarter person because of that. But one time we were in the Philippines, and we were supposed to take a bus from Angela City back to Manila. Um, our guide, uh, Chef Claude, had left us off. He said, take this bus. It wasn't leaving for an hour. So this guy came up, and we were tired. We wanted to get home and sleep. It's like, oh, I got a taxi for you right here. We're like, oh, should we consider it so we negotiate? We get in the taxi, and the guy that's driving, our taxi driver, has a weird tick. He's like sniffing and making this funny noise, and then next thing he's on the phone with speaking Tagalog, uh, and I don't know what's going on. I had convinced myself that we were kidnapped. And, you know, and I was sitting there thinking – Okay, well, there's three of us. And I had a female camera operator and a male camera operator. And so I was like, well, three on one, but he's probably calling his buddies and they're going to meet us. And, and you know, I don't know, man. Fatigue. I don't know why this was going through my head, but there was something a little fishy about this. And I look back and my camera crew, they were asleep, blissfully unaware of what's going on in my head. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to take care of this myself. He pulls over at a gas station and – you know, no explanation or nothing. I'm like, here it is. We're, they're, you know, they're at least, I'm like, okay, what equipment can we give them? You know, how can I hang on to my hard drives? Because that's the thing the hard drives. Hmm. That's what's got all the footage from the show. That's what you don't want to lose. The equipment, you know, insurance can replace. And um, long story short, man, he stopped to get some cigarettes or something and dropped us off in Manila and there was no issue. We were never kidnapped. And uh, I felt like an idiot, you know, but I tell that story because. Sometimes your paranoia is your best friend, and sometimes it's your worst enemy. And uh, you just got to follow your instinct. Um, It it can be scary, man. But, uh, you know, I live in New York City, and it's way scarier walking past Port Authority uh, than it is um, traveling halfway across the world, to me. Right. There's always shenanigans at the Port Authority in New York City. Always will be. (laughs) Bus stations. (laughs) That's true. Always some shenanigans. I read the New York Post, and I'm like, yep. shenanigans (laughs) shenanigans
1: <laughs> so Walter is asking um and uh, the question just left hold on somebody just put a big comment oh, yeah. Johanna taking over the screen here but uh let me just quickly <laughs> go back to Walter I'd like to know how ma- uh, mainly how do you finance your trips uh, do you have sponsors investors um and just a reminder this is a completely yeah. independent show so it's really just uh, a couple camera people and and Robert uh, but uh, I'll let him answer that question
0: yeah, so we are independent, so what that means is, uh, especially at the beginning, uh, it's 100% percent self financed which is why you don't see probably more travel, independent travel shows on the air because you have to dig pretty deep uh, to do it, even though you do it on a shoestring like we did. Um, but, you know, it's an entrepreneurial gamble, so, uh, and it, it paid off because now we do have sponsorship. Uh, it does pay for itself. Uh, we're not getting rich at all. Uh, it's definitely not doing what it should be doing. Revenue-wise, but, you know, it works for me. But I don't really do it for the money. If I was doing it for the money, I'd do something else um, because um, there's definitely not a lot of money, uh, you know, rolling through the door at this point in time. But it's enough to uh, keep me going for a while. And uh, we're in Season 5. We'll see see how long I, if it goes, you know. I don't think I'll go to Season 10. I don't see that happening. So somewhere between 5 and 10, you'll probably see it. I doubt if we're here five years from now with me having this conversation oh, um that is, could be wrong my job know. application somebody might I take over <laughs> somebody <laughs> that's what i'm saying man you know like it's wide open the future right. is wide open
1: now david makes appointments on his uh device to watch raw travel so he schedules it and makes sure he catches each episode so that's great david i, I, I greatly appreciate that
0: um, make sure now, you watch the commercials david yeah
1: because that's what pays for everything <laughs> All right, so Johanna says, I typically travel solo and agree with you that 95% of humanity are wonderful, uh, helpful individuals who would never harm or take advantage of anyone. I've been to Central America, Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, uh, but not solo. I will be visiting Panama solo, staying, I'm sorry that I'm reading this whole thing in voiceover mode, um, staying in Casco Viejo, and a single female, as a single female, should I be more concerned about uh, than I would be traveling solo in Europe capital? And in a European capital, how's the public transportation?
0: Casco Viejo, that's in Panama City, the old city, I believe. So uh, you should be great. Um, um, Panama has had some issues in uh, northern Panama or near the Costa Rican border. Um, Bocas del Toro, I think it's called. Um, It's like a serial killer up there. We went there, but there was like a serial killer. I don't know if they caught him. I'm not sure. Um, a couple of female travelers, and, and I hate to just, you know, I don't want to be, like, alarming people, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't know the the ins and outs. I think there's a lot, of, whenever stuff happens in Latin America, usually it's, like, it has to do with um, uh, the cartel and drugs and, and, and stuff like that. So it's not like the average people. It's not like somebody's trying to kill you, and that's why, as a tourist and a traveler, you're probably okay, because you're not going to get involved in those shenanigans. I'm on my best behavior, Um, You know, I lived in Colombia where they're like, you know, do you want some gum, cocaine, whatever? And I'm like, nope, I don't. I don't even want to eat cocoa. (laughs) You know, like I would never, ever do that anywhere, but especially in Colombia as a foreigner. And that just is crazy to me that anybody would take those risks. But, you know, different strokes for different folks, man. Um, But, yeah, for me, I'm on my best behavior, and I have some funny stories I'll tell at some point in my book when I write it about, you know, living in Colombia and and, uh, just the different experiences I had while I was living there. It was uh, life-changing. It was awesome. I'm sorry. I hope I answered your question, Johanna. You know, I'm a bad guy to ask. I'm a guy. Uh, (laughs) But we're trying to touch on, you know, female travels. And and most of the females that I have talked to and I've interviewed, uh, they've never had a problem. Follow your instincts. Ask around locally. Do your research online. Um, you know, read the dangers and annoyances section in your guidebook. Make sure you get a recent guidebook. And then supplement it with some online research. And I bet you'll be quite okay.
1: Yeah, and, and just put your, uh, you know, in my little experience in traveling and haven't been in Europe, um, just uh, keep your guard up. You know, don't drink things you yeah. don't know where those drinks came from things of that nature, because right. uh, as a woman, I know there's a lot of aggressive men in different territories, so you just definitely want to be aware of that.
0: And it's not that they're more dangerous than the U.S. I think they're actually True. less dangerous than the U.S. in many ways. It's that you're a tourist somewhere, so you don't, you don't know, and that's what makes you vulnerable. And that's where, you know, hanging out where they hang out is a good idea, as opposed to where tourists hang out. Another reason why I like to go and live like a local is um, – that seems to be where most of the pickpockets and things like that is where tourist areas are because those are the t- targets, you know. Uh, but Europe in general, especially Eastern Europe, I think it's so safe, man, really, really safe. Two safest areas, I think, are uh, parts of Asia. Laos was incredibly safe, felt incredibly safe. I could be wrong, but it felt safe. It just don't step on a U.S. landmine from Vietnam. Um, you know, the, you do have to watch That's out for safe. that, ironically. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, you know, if you're they on the worst show, you shoes. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, you know, and, and the, that's another example of locals there. Something I had no idea. You know, having to put up with that. Still, this many years later, people losing limbs and whatnot, and not one person was negative or anything but sweet and wonderful to us as Americans. They don't hold that against us, and um, I think that's pretty amazing.
1: Now. Um you you wanted to mention a contest? If I'll, I'll bring that up before we forget. Yeah. So let's, yeah. Uh, So that.
0: Um, yeah. So it's our fifth season, guys. So what this means is we're going to try to celebrate the entire year, uh, and uh, we're going to kick it off with what is called the Raw Travel Giveaway. The contest hasn't begun yet. It begins next weekend, but it's called uh, the Raw Travel Giveaway. You can go to rawtravelgiveaway.com and win a trip for two to Guadeloupe. Um, Guadeloupe is, is an easy trip. It's not far. It's like a three day little quick getaway. You can stay on the same place I stayed at. Uh, the Guadeloupe episodes, we've got two of them are coming this fall. Uh, and so the Guadeloupe Tourism Bureau and, um, uh, Norwegian Airlines have been kind enough to offer that, uh, for us to give away. Uh, you got plenty of time. It'll be in December when we draw. Um, and uh, hopefully be a nice little spring getaway. Um, After that, we'll still have more prizes and we're going to do more giveaways, little to small, uh, books, travel gear, uh, obviously our little raw travel hats. Um, It's like my favorite little premium, Um, you know, small stuff like that to actual trips. So, uh, you know, stay tuned, stay socially engaged, watch the show every week because different things are going to be happening. And uh, if you're engaged on Facebook, maybe engage on Twitter or Instagram. Um, you know, I'm not trying to shill for more social media followers, but I will tell you that the more we have, the easier our life gets.
1: Now, uh, you, you have a bunch of products. You've given me some products, uh, the hat and the water bottle thing. Uh, is that something that people can buy? Or
0: Yeah, yeah. We have a site. Uh, if you go to rawtravel.tv slash merch, I think you can uh, find links. So if you don't win, you can buy it. Um, so just go to rawtravel.tv and look under merch. We don't have a lot. Uh, it's not a huge money maker, and I have to lick the envelopes and mail them out to you myself. So <laughs> sometimes it can be overwhelming. Um, but I haven't sold a hat in a while. But it has been summer, so you know the hat, I'll try to find one here and model one for you in a bit. Um, and I'll send you one, Carlos. Might need one down in Atlanta. Um, but the little knit hats, you know, the water bottles and stuff—they're for sale. Uh, but yeah, we're going to try to give them away. I try to give away a few every uh, every quarter. So That's cool. yeah, you guys can do that. And, uh, but I think exciting, more exciting is going to be some of the gear from some of our sponsors. Um, we got a great trip to Iceland, guys. With a, um, we partnered with this uh, travel. They're called the, 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 the Travel Yogi, and uh, she puts together yoga trips all over the world. And just a great organization, and they really hooked us up in Iceland. That's a beautiful shoot. It's not a cheap place to go, but it's absolutely gorgeous. And that's going to be one of my, my favorite episodes. I told you about Guadalupe. We did a river cruise in Spain and uh, uh, Portugal. That was just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. We were the only Americans on their boat. And uh, it was great not to have to pack and unpack. And, uh, you know, I loved it. I, I loved river cruises. I thought it was awesome. Sweet.
1: So, okay, so tell me more. I want, I want to know more about stuff. That, what's coming out on, on, on the fifth season? I and mean, You mentioned Peru mentioned Guadalupe, yeah. is that right, or Guatemala? Guadalupe,
0: the short... yeah. No, Guadalupe. Guadalupe, okay. French-Caribbean islands. So, uh, you know, after this season, you'll know exactly about Guadalupe because we're going to delve pretty deep into it. Um, and then uh, we've got a couple of U.S. episodes. I would like to mention Houston. We already did one Houston episode. Everybody knows about Hurricane Harvey. We had planned to do a second one, and we shot it. Luckily, we were able to shoot it. And it's called Eclectic H-Town, and it's going to be airing um, in November, and you'll be able to help Hurricane Harvey. And right now what you're showing is uh, some B-roll from another U.S. episode. It's called RV Road Trip through the Great Smoky Mountains, which is the reason all those photos of me as a kid pop up is because I, I, being from Tennessee, I used to travel there as a kid a lot. So what we did is we got uh, an RV and took off for three days. I've never driven an RV in my life. And we took off for three days, went through the Smoky Mountains where they had a recent fire. And uh, they're just trying to get uh, rebuild. We were helping them with the rebuilding and letting them know that, you know, the Smoky Mountains is open for business. There's a lot, it's a tourist-driven economy. Uh, there's a lot of charm, a lot of good people there in the Smoky Mountains. So that's me on the RV there. And went to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. Uh, all those places in Tennessee that I used to go as a kid. It was pretty cool to go back as an adult, but with an RV. So, now, have you ever uh, gone an RV, Carlos? Yeah,
1: uh, not uh, – I mean, in, in the film industry, yes, but not like traveling. Okay.
0: Not like traveling. It's pretty – it's interesting. It's got its own little, like, tricks of the trade kind of thing. You pull in the RV park and you hook up and right. you get to meet other RVers. And, you know, people think it's just for, like, old retirees and whatnot. But I'm like, you know, honestly, any age – could do it. You don't have to be, I didn't wait until I got gray hair to do it. It just so happened. That that's what happened. You know, now for those sorry, who are you still had a watching, question. I interrupted you.
1: No, no, you're fine. Uh, those who are still watching. Please share again. Um, if you, if you're just joining us and uh, people who might be interested in travel, friends and family of yours might be interested in that. Plus, if you've never seen the show, be sure to check it out. Um, rawtravel.tv will have the listings of your local providers that will be carrying the show. It's in all 50 states, and then some, as you mentioned before. And uh, so uh, you, you mentioned uh, Gatlinburg. Right. You know, where we have uh, bikers.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about I didn't that. know what that was. <laughs> Sorry no, it was
1: uh, I have the door open because it's nice and cool out. But, um, all right, yeah. Gatlinburg, there was a major fire what about a year or so ago. Isn't that right? Or were you there before or after those fires?
0: No, so we, we went uh, over the summer, and the fires were last October 2000, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I think it was December 2016, uh, oh. or November, I'm not sure, guys, uh, but I know it was in the fall of 2016, and it was pretty devastating, Smoky Mountains has never had a fire like that before, I think. Um, and it know, went right through town, there's no,
1: so so yeah, there's, went I went right reasons. through
0: town, people died. People yeah. die because they're not used to that. It's not like California where they have this, you know, plan of action. And uh, it was just uh once-in-a-hundred-years event. We we're having a lot of these lately. Coincidental, huh? Um, but it seems like we're having all these weather events that we don't normally have. Uh, anyway, Smoky Mountains did it, you know. And I always said sort of tongue-in-cheek, like, when Hillbilly Golf gets damaged, damn it, i got to do something about it. And uh, so, you know, it, it literally was... An idea where, um, you know, Go RVing is a, a sponsor of ours this fall. They said, let me, let me get an RV, and I'll have that first experience, but I want to go somewhere where I used to go as a kid that needs some help. They need some help getting back on their feet. And there's a lot of people that maybe don't, aren't aware of the charm and beauty of the Great Smoky Mountains, or more importantly, the culture of East Tennessee, Western North Carolina, the Appalachia, Lower Appalachia. Um, you know, they call them hillbillies. And it used to be a derogatory term, but now it's kind of a point of pride because it's like, you know, a particular genre of music I like It's called uh, hillbilly punk. And, uh, you know, it's like many things. People are embracing it now, and they're saying, you know, this is a prideful culture. It's something to be proud of. Let's don't, let's don't lose this culture. So it's all about hanging on to that culture, celebrating that culture. Um, and that's what I want to do with the show, irregardless of we're in another country or our own country, is basically tell people you know they need to be proud of where they are and who they are and where they're from um places that used to have african slaves like in peru uh the next weekend we're going to afro-peruvian community uh where slaves were there and they were smuggled in and we go to the tunnels where they were smuggled in and it, it was a very emotional experience all those places where there's an african influence have such rich culture and um they don't need to be pushed under the table. They need to be celebrated, man, and we need to recognize them and and go visit them. If you go to Colombia outside of Cartagena, there's a place called San Basilio de Palenque. Uh, it was a small town about a two uh, two hours, I think, outside of Cartagena. Kind of difficult to get to, but they still speak an African dialect from back in the day. Escaped slaves uh, established it, and they had to get far away where they wouldn't come pursue them. And if you go there, you're not going to have a typical travel experience. But you're going to have a pretty wild one, pretty good one. Yeah, know, a lot
1: of people don't know. In Colombia, it's separated into like five or six different sections, and in different areas have completely right. different dialects of not only Spanish, right. But there's slang, and some of them have the uh, Albert, Not the. I was going to say Albertines, Um The uh, the, the native, indigenous, I think indigenous. Yeah. And everybody in my neighborhood has monochromatic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's a nice day outside in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh-huh. No, you can go. You can go. Uh, you can go to. Um, let's see. Someone was just saying they went to uh, South Africa. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely going back to Africa. We barely touched the surface Scratched the surface. We went to South Africa and Ghana. Obviously, it's a big continent. I want to go to North Africa. Uh, maybe Morocco. Uh, maybe even Egypt. I'm not sure. Uh, but then also Ethiopia is just sitting there waiting. waiting no, waiting, just waiting, to waiting.
1: kind of read the comment um, out loud. So. You know, um, anybody who listens to an audio version of the show, uh, we saw your episodes from South Africa prior to our own trip and ironically went to the, some of the same places you went. We loved it. Will you be returning to Africa? And that's the answer to that question. Yeah. Now, uh, someone it's, earlier it's, asked it's, about it's, Australia. Have you been to Australia?
0: Yeah, well, Australia is obviously very far, um, and uh, but I've met a lot of Australians, and uh, we've talked about it. You know, almost every place has been on the table. Someone asked the question if there's some places – that were not interested in going for political or any other reasons, and and there's places that, that are like that, like uh, Turkey, for example. I don't want to go to Turkey right now, uh, not because of fear for my own safety, just because I don't want to support somebody that's just so, it seems, you know, so anti-freedom of speech. Um, I, I went to Cuba because people were curious about Cuba, and I wanted to show, I knew, because I had been to Cuba, about what the real Cuba was like, and I was frustrated that this very glib version of Cuba that we got. It's either an evil empire or this beautiful place where you can go and just, you know, live in old buildings and like no one seemed to be telling the real story because they were always censored. And I just didn't want to do that. So politics aside, we try not to be a political show, but there are some tenements. I, I, I don't believe freedom of speech is a political issue. If it is, then you have to question the politics of the place that you're visiting. Um, because that's a human issue in my view, those are things that I feel really strongly about. So I will always sort of bring those to the surface, but I try not to be like, I'm some kind of like, you know, mission to, you know, that's way above my pay grade, man. I am just, you know, I try to recognize my strengths and weaknesses, you know, but at the same time, if I can get out a message that I feel like needs getting out, like ugly fruit is beautiful, guys. It's beautiful. The uglier the fruit, the better. That means it wasn't. It's probably organic, you know. What we call organic here, people just call food elsewhere. And so, when I travel to other places and I eat the food and I feel better, I don't think it's a mistake. And so, I think that's part of me having this travel experience and reporting back to folks uh, this experience that I had. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I try not to get political, but at the same time, there are certain things that are just need to be said. So I try to say those. You know, Rob, I hope that answered your question. Hope that answered everybody's questions.
1: Well, Robert, uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show. We're at an hour, so I don't know if you want to continue, yeah. but um, uh, I, I don't know. You've covered a lot of territory.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm chilling the sun in my eyes, not you guys. <laughs> I'm like, bye. Um, Carlos, no, man, it's been good, dude. I mean, thank you guys for um, tuning in. I know there'll be some people that'll be watching afterwards. I hope the NFL can deal with the ratings bump uh, hit that they took because we went <laughs> Facebook Live, Carlos. I'm sure. kind of guilty. You know, we had
1: thousands of watching live. Hope they can
0: handle the hit.
1: <laughs> so uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Raw Travel and obviously we're on the Raw Travel page so some of you are either following or some of you are followers of mine and, and decided to join and I do appreciate that greatly. Uh, I do these shows very consistently. Uh, maybe not every week but I try my best and we cover everything from celebrities and musicians and filmmakers. And Rob is an independent producer, so uh, it fit in line with uh, things that I cover. And not only that, but I've known him for a number of years, and he's just what a force to reckon with to be able to do a world show, a show and, and bring it into light in the most positive way that I can think of and bring out not only the neighborhoods and areas that are not necessarily very touristy, but, uh, but then you can also contribute and participate in what's going on in those locations. Um, once again, yeah. uh, we also want to re- remind everybody as far as the contest. So the contest is at rawtravelgiveaway.com if you want to win a trip. It's not available yet, though, right? It's uh, it's coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, I
0: think, yeah, just sort of bookmark that because that may not, you know, you can enter right now, but I'm not sure if your entry is going to make it. So you know, maybe bookmark it. enter next weekend for sure. It will be up and running. Uh, I think it is already, but just I don't want to see you enter and then be disappointed that you weren't entered. So, um, yeah, make sure to enter anytime. I'd say by Thursday, Friday next week, we should be good. And I'm sure and that you'll post uh, something also-
1: on this very page to let yes. everybody know that it's open and available. But I thought I wanted to put that lower third again just to make sure people might can write it down and 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 uh, join. Thank that. you. So, is there anything else You're you want to let people fan.
0: know? No, I just, I want to take the opportunity to thank you, man, because you have been interviewing me since before the show began. Um, Because I remember I was in my L.A. apartment, I think, the first time we did it. I did it from Miami on the road. And um, we've had a couple of these, one where you were in my apartment when you were in New York City, Mm -hmm. and now this one. And, you know, listen, man, we're doing it because there's some people that want to, you know, hear what we have to say. And um, as much work as it is... I want to take the time to do it, but I also want to thank you for doing it, man, because you're not getting paid for this. You're just doing it out of your own, uh, the goodness of your own heart. Um, I don't know. You might be making, uh, maybe you're making money off this later on. I hope you are, <laughs> uh, but um, I owe you at least a raw travel hat, man, so uh, All right, after okay. this, emo- so it gets cold in Atlanta, man. <laughs>
1: it does. It gets a little chilly. Right? Not nowhere near like New York. Yeah. And I just moved away no, from no, New York, no, no. so I know what that's like.
0: That's right, but it gets like forty degrees. You guys are like, oh, it's so cold. So you know, you need oh, a yeah, raw you, travel. Over hat.
1: here, yeah, people, uh, 56, 70 yeah. degrees. They're like, oh, it's cold.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's colder if it's not ninety. And uh, but, thank you, man. Thank you so much uh, for doing this for us. Really appreciate it. Now, now do you want to thank share all the viewers for your support?
1: Do you want to share anything yeah. as far as how people can follow you?
0: Yeah, yeah. In, in case you're watching the video, so basically, all the socials are Raw Travel TV. Very important you put TV at the end or you might end up uh, with an Australian walkabout tour company. They'll take you on a walkabout and they look like a good tour company but it's not us. Um, A lot of (laughs) of times we'll show up and they'll be like, oh, you know, I love your tours and I'm like, no, we're a TV show. You left off the TV. So Raw Travel TV, Uh, you can subscribe on YouTube. I recommend that you do that because we're probably not going to put full episodes up on YouTube. But we will show where the full episodes are going to be. They're probably going to be on Vimeo, uh, on some kind of pay-per-view, by a season pass kind of basis of our old seasons. So that's going to happen this year, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. And, uh, you know, just follow us on Facebook. That's where most of the updates go. If you want to hear my strong opinions about stuff, you can go to Twitter uh, and then Instagram, of course. And I ain't got time for Snapchat. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> so don't waste your time. All
1: right. Now, if uh, anybody's interested in what I do and what I, uh, in, in my social media, it is Carlos Phoenix spelled like such, and um, p- feel free to subscribe to my channel. This episode will also be on the lounge network.com or The Lounge Network on YouTube, and you can watch it there. Uh, otherwise, you can watch the replay here, but um, that's what I do, and thank you so much for watching, and awesome. Thank you, Robert, for allowing me to have the pleasure of Talking to you about what you're doing and your travels.
0: Thank you, man. I just want to say one more shout out, and that's to the viewers. Guys, without you, no raw travel. Trust me. And I, you know, this has been the most fulfilling. I said the volunteerism was, but I think maybe the most fulfilling is just the interactions we've had with viewers. Um, it's shocking, surprising, with all the choices of things to watch. You guys choose raw travel, and, and that means a lot to me, and I try not to take that for granted. And it is the only reason. Uh, Quite frankly, it ain't the money. It is the only reason I continue to do it, man. It's not the ego stroke because I don't get much out of it um, from that point of view either. Um, Okay, so thank you, fans. Thank you, Carlos. All right, well, then then let's just wave everybody off goodbye,
1: and we'll go through our credits. Ciao. Guess who sorted out their technology? Yay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining. I'm just making sure that we are live, which I think we are. Let me take a look for sure. And I apologize for the delays. Yes, we are live. Fantastic. So uh, we are live. (laughs) And now I'm going to do some sharing. And um, anybody who joins us Hmm. uh, can share as well. So you know. Awesome. So feel free to share. We got our audio problems sorted out. We got Doris on uh, on camera, so we're going to have a great (laughs) show. I'm so
2: sorry about that, guys. Can you both? Yeah, I can hear you.
1: You shouldn't be able to hear her. That would be kind of crazy. crazy. But anyway, um, not a problem. Let us begin the show. So I got my special guest, Doris Morgato, and this is the Indie Lounge. Yes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carlos <laughs> Phoenix with the Indie Lounge. Today we have a great show, and I have a special guest. Her name is Doris Morgato. Now, Doris and I uh, met uh, about three or four years ago. She was uh, working on a film. I was invited to the red carpet, and I found this uh, amazing actress, uh, very petite, beautiful, and extremely talented with the clips that I was able to see in the film that I was able to watch. Uh, and I was like, wow, you know, this girl has, like, all the different elements that I think – things like Hollywood is looking for. And, and she, I guess, feels that same way. And a lot of people who are backing her up feels the same way. She gets <laughs> a lot of support from her family and that type of stuff. I've been watching all her interviews uh, since she's been on Univision and a bunch of other networks. I'm going to go over all that because what we're going to do today is do a catch-up interview and find out uh, what was she doing and what, what was working, what wasn't working, how the industry is accepting her, her being a Latina, and, and, uh, all those types of things. So I'm going to bring her on now. I'm going to erase her audio and put her on camera. Thank you so much, Doris. Give me one moment and you'll be live. Yes. Hello, Doris. How are you?
2: Hi. Great. And yourself?
1: I'm doing <laughs> fantastic. So thank you so much for joining. Um, this took like a month or so just to put together, which is great. That yes. To be on camera. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, one, I want to appreciate you for coming on. Um, of course. I know you have all these other, you know, bigger networks covering you and stuff like that, so I'm very humbled by the fact what that What better you...
2: way than to come back to, like, where <laughs> I got my first my first interview, so... <laughs> was that really your first interview? No. Yeah, that was, um, that was like, the first, like, red carpet that I, I got to go to, and, and it was for the movie premiere, and I was the lead in that, in, or one of the leads in the film, so you were one of the, I think you might've been the first one because you came in like right before we started with everything.
1: Wow. Uh, I never knew yeah. that. So now yeah. I feel <laughs> so privileged to have you again, um, uh, on, on the show. So thank you uh, once again. So you've been, you've been working on some great roles. Um, now, uh, you know, granted, you know, we have all the big superstars taking the lead roles, but you've been next to a lot of great superstars. So, yes. um, want to want to introduce some of those superstars you're with
2: um yeah so i've i've gotten a chance to work with denzel washington and mark Wahlberg and uh, edward james Owen was on the movie two guns um also with uh dwayne johnson and snitch and um most recently uh i was in the movie logan so that was uh one of like my dreams come true because i grew up being a marvels fan and i got to work with um uh, James Mangold so that was that was also another awesome thing to have such a great director uh, you know leading me and, and, and getting me to go to that next level for these scenes so it was a, a real joy
1: now I think you'd be fantastic for a Marvel movie you know you, um, you. I just watched the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and you know they got Gamora who's this green woman what, what color yeah. do you think you'd want to be
2: uh, I would say red. I know, and I know, like it's it's like such a touchy thing because red is normally associated with like either the devil or someone like uh, mean. Okay. But like also for me, red also represents like passion and and strength, which I feel that I have a lot of it. Um, you know that passion that passion can sometimes turn into maybe like anger if I'm not. <laughs> achieving what I want but for the most part I would say the red is is more of like the passion um drive strength so I think yeah a red but definitely not red eyes because that would then that would be evil
1: that makes sense so like black eyes
2: no that still seems evil like maybe (laughs) maybe like blue yeah yeah, I'd have to get back to you on that because the eyes—the eyes will make or break the character. It would either be like, yeah, she's evil and she's gonna kill everyone, or oh, she's just red because she happens to be red.
1: Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. um, all right. So I now I know you were in Logan. Yes. Um, so you played a part where you were helping the kids get rescued. You want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Um, so my role was uh, Maria, and I was one of the um, the nurses that was actually in the um in like the footage the found footage where they were doing all these experiments on the kids and one of them being uh, x23 and they're basically doing what they did to to Logan when he was when they captured him was just doing all these testing and creating these these um uh superheroes basically and using them as weapons ultimately like that that was the goal of of the government and they had all the kids in this secret place where no one knew who they were or or where they were and our job was to basically keep them alive but of course they were they were children so we kind of became attached to them
1: right now um when they went to you about this part um is that the description they gave you or was it was it something that changed during the course of filming
2: Uh, No, that was pretty much a description. It was um, a young mom who was working at at this uh, facility and throughout uh, once I end up helping rescue the kids, I end up getting captured and they threaten to kill my my baby son if I don't um, if I don't tell them where the kids that I helped escaped are.
1: Okay, now um, I did watch you on Chicago M.D., I follow you. Now, I'm not a creeper, so don't get me (laughs) wrong, but I I do, um, and I I try to push a lot of the content that you push on social media so that people know since the last interview how you've been progressing. Um, So we met, you were doing an independent film um, and the Mm -hmm. first red carpet, like you mentioned. Yeah. Clearly, you're doing some right things. So now, if we have people who are watching um, uh, um, online who are looking to get into acting, who are looking to get into filmmaking or uh, what would be your first initial suggestions of just getting in?
2: I always tell people my first suggestion is to find a good acting school or a community theater around um, your area. Because I, I find that acting is very similar to uh, sports in the sense that if you're not practicing, if you're not, emerged in the art, then you're never gonna be able to challenge and push yourself to get better than what you were. And being in a great acting school with a great acting community, I think it's super key. It's one of um, the things that I always carry with me, my first acting coach, uh, which was in Atlanta, Michael Cole. And he told me um, in one of the classes, he said, you know, with acting, if you're not on set, Filming, you should be in acting class working because it's a muscle and you always want to get better. And that always stuck with me. And so I, I use that all the time. I mean, I got back from Chicago being there for two weeks filming and two days after I was back in acting class. So I would say that's my main thing. Um, one, you're going to find a great community of actors who have the same passion for you and and hopefully have the same drive that you have. Uh, and then on top of that, you're also going to be pushing yourself and getting better. And from that community, then you start learning all these other stuff that are important. Uh, one is like headshot photographers and agents and casting workshops. Um, just all these little things that you would never, find out on your own or it would take you a long time to find out on your own if you're, you know, sitting in a bubble in your house, waiting for stuff to come your way.
1: Okay. Now, um, tell us a little bit about your background
2: Hello. and kind of what led <laughs> you,
1: what, what got you to creep into acting?
2: Um, well, I was born in Venezuela. My, my family's Cuban. And when they came, um, when my mom came from from Venezuela with my with my older brother and myself, um, I always I would always watch a lot of movies and a lot of TV, and I loved it. I loved seeing all these different characters, and I always felt like I I would be able to do that. Um, Now, when I got into middle school, I did take some acting classes, and they were you know, middle school classes. So it was just more of more of the kids that were in there were just trying to pass time. Um, And then in college, I went ahead and I did a couple of community theaters. And it wasn't until right after or like my last year in college that I, I told my mom, I was like, you know what, I can't, um, sorry about that. I can't, um, become a teacher. Uh, That was what I was studying to be. It was a a degree in teaching. And I was like, I I can't, I have to become an actress. Like, this is what I love. And she looked at me and was like, listen, I didn't come to this country and go through so much trouble for you to struggle. You're going to get your degree in elementary education. And then afterwards, you can do whatever you want, but I want you to have a degree to fall back on. So (laughs) I ended up uh, getting my bachelor's in elementary education, but as soon as I I graduated, I literally started looking for auditions and started um, looking for acting classes. My first name was I got into an acting class, um, and I feel like I that passion of that passion of acting was always there. Um, like anything and everything that I could do while I was growing up that had to do with acting, I would try to get myself involved in it, um, whether it was a school play or different things like that. Unfortunately, um, I would say my, my school didn't have a good drama department, um, so there weren't, like, these elaborate plays that would come up, but yeah. just being on stage was something that I absolutely loved, and I always felt at home, even though, obviously, I was nervous, but I felt like this was my purpose. Like, this is why I'm here to do this. Um, so it was, it was definitely very good. And I think I also had a lot of practice. I have uh tool brothers your brother. always used to mess with me. Um, so I could cry at a drop of a dime and <laughs> get them in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope they never see this because then they're going to tell my mom and be like, That's see, funny. I told you all those times she was lying. Um, but yeah, they, they did help me. Um, Conjure up those tears very very freely and easily uh, from while they're their messing around with me
1: now um okay, so I understand you let me see you had used to dr- uh, dress up uh according to one of the stories that I remember you was telling in one of your previous interviews and and act out in front- in front of your family is that correct or or am I mystery yeah. story
2: yeah. Yeah. Wow. You have a very good memory. Um, yeah. So Saturdays was the days that we had to clean the house. Um, it was like mandatory. Like all the kids, my mom was like, I want this house spick and stand. And one of my, one of the many chores that I had was taking the sheets out of off the bed and, and taking them to, um, to the laundry. And I would always like put on those sheets and it's just like walk around and I would, I would play out these roles that I was, like a princess who was um, whose city was overrun by like these evil people and they were able to get me to escape but I had to hide my true identity. As so I would like run around the house with the sheet on until my mom was like, Mehita And then I tell you to go wash that stuff put it in the washer. Um, but those were always like my stories of of like just finding anything and everything to be able to to recreate like Whatever story was in my mind and, and it just brought me so much joy. Like I, we didn't have a lot growing up. So it wasn't like we had a house full of toys and, and video games and all this kind of stuff. So my imagination was my, my outlet and, and my playground.
1: Now, okay. So you go from independent films. What was a stepping stone that got you into the like the pro level stuff?
2: Honestly, I, I have to say it was all the preparation that I went to. I mean, a lot of people will go in and, and look at my IMDb and and say, you know, something similar to that. I'm like, Oh wow. You went from this one film and all of a sudden you've jumped to professional films, like, but what they don't. See, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, she came out of nowhere. And, and that's usually the story, but people don't see like all the other independent films, uh, that I worked on for free. Um, I think I, I was up to like, 20 or 30 uh, films and not, and that's not even obviously like the auditions that I had that I did not book or that the project never got um, completed because the funding never came through. So I think. Um, yeah.
1: A lot of people don't know constantly... about that stuff. That's like um, people yeah. look at Hollywood actors and think, Oh, they just walked right into it or they got discovered somewhere.
2: Right. They don't realize right. that you did 20 films <laughs> for
1: free. And yeah. the same thing is the guys behind the scenes. Like I worked in film. and I don't know if you knew that or not. I used to work in yeah. art direction and building sets and that type of stuff. And I was very fortunate because, one, I, I got paid from day one. Um, I started with storyboards and then got into building sets. And then I became an art director over 20 years. And so I've done music videos and all that type of stuff. But I know a lot of people in the in the career that I've had a lot of them were like p a s who you know didn't get paid for two mm-hmm. years, and yep. they just were like trying to learn the 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 business
2: yeah so and, so and, go, you
1: struggled in terms of getting your parts
2: yeah and 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 i think that's that's a a great a great thing to say was you know trying to trying to learn the ropes um My first SAG film was um, Preacher's Daughter, which my scenes ended up not making it because they rewrote a lot of stuff. Um, But I remember um, just that that one audition and, and having that give me my SAG eligibility was huge for me. But it was, you know, a lot of a lot of heartache and a lot of tears and everything before all that came through and a lot of frustration of. Like man, when is it? When is it going to be my time? But I think, I think God does everything in, in its moment. Because um, I felt that I was ready, but now that I'm where I'm at right now, I realized, you know what? I was not as ready as I thought I would have. I was back then uh, with some of the stuff that I have now. Like it would have never felt like a, a blessing. It would have felt more more like a burden. Um, but I'm grateful for all of those other. Uh, independent films that I did because it did show me the ropes. It did teach me how to, um, how to be on set, what to expect, how to be professional. And, and that, and it also allowed me to feel comfortable in an audition room. Um, people laugh a lot because I I tell them like, oh, well, I, I enjoy auditioning, but it's because I hated auditioning and I had to go through so many, Of these uh, auditions for independent films that I got used to being in the room. So now when I went into these bigger rooms, in my mind, it's just like, like another, it's another audition. Obviously, yes, there's a lot more at stake, but I know that I'm prepared and I know that I can do it. And walking into that room is not like I haven't done it. Like I've been doing it for so long now that it just, it's a comfortable, feeling to walk in there because I get to play again. I get to, um, to do what I love.
1: Yeah, once you start getting used to just stepping into a room, I mean, you always have this, the, the fear factor, but because you, you never know what to expect sometimes, but, but because it's so familiar. Or, or right.
2: Yeah. It's just, yeah, that, that excitement never, never goes away. I mean, um, I ran track and field since I was in middle school and we would, have practice pretty much 300 days out of the year and we would practice twice a day. So there was really no time off except a little bit around like Christmas time and, and, you know, the weekends. And there wasn't a competition that I wouldn't go to and get on the line. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the referee saying ready or take your mark, get said that my heart wasn't pounding out of my chest. And here I was doing this for so many years, going with so many practices, running the same event every year, um, every event, every every race. And I still got nervous. So I don't um, I don't think the nervousness leaves um, as much as um, it turns more into excitement. Uh, you're always obviously, yes, that that part of like I'm walking into something that I don't know, but I think if you prepare enough with the material and you really live within it, you sh you get to a point where you stop focusing on on what's in the room and you start focusing on what your character is going through. And from there I think those nerves subside or you use them um if if that's what your if your character is going through something that needs to be nervous then you just use that nervousness within your character and it kind of blends in together to the point where you walk out and you're just like, wow, I, I was so immersed in what I was trying to accomplish with my, um, with my character that I, I didn't even realize that my nerves went away and I was just focused on this reader. Yeah.
1: All right. So I'm going to interrupt you for a moment. Um, Guys, those who are watching, thank you so much for joining. I'm going to take a couple of questions that you guys are asking because this is live. And the whole point of being live is not only being authentic, but also interacting and uh, talking to our audience. So uh, I am first going to have everybody share. Please share this video. It is live. The more people that come, the more questions, the more interesting and the more education we get out of doors Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to squeeze her like an orange and get as much (laughs) juice as possible. So So that's one thing we're trying to do. And second, um, you know, I want to show some clips. Now, I've been doing that as you've been talking, and you, you've noticed that. Um, but I do want to be able to uh, first answer a couple of questions, and then I want to show your, your comedy stuff. Because you're not just a serious, dramatic actress, which I think you do great. But, you know, we want to show some of the, the funny stuff that you do. So uh, I'm <laughs> going to pick up my phone. Uh, I'm being transparent here. And um, now I know Anna, who is a, a, a fan of mine, a longtime fan of mine. And I'm glad that she joined. So thank you very much, Anna. So one of the things is um, she's asking is, how do you train? Uh, she read from my material, because I've been sharing about you for the past week, to let people know that we're doing this interview. Um, uh, now, I know you do uh, fitness. I know you do a lot of working out.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you
1: got muscles. You, you will embarrass me if I'm next to you. But um, <laughs> you do some heavy working out. So now are you doing, I know you do modeling. Are you doing any kind of fitness modeling?
2: I haven't started doing the fitness modeling yet um just because this pilot season. thank God it was very busy for me and to go to into the fitness modeling is definitely um a next step um as far as like the training goes right now. my training is more for just staying fit staying um active something that keeps my mind feeling extremely relaxed when I actually get uh, get in the gym uh but I am going to start moving into that it just takes it is a little bit of tweaking on certain things that mostly is is what you eat um but I was on set for so many days um and that kind of works um makes it a little bit harder it's not impossible but it just makes it a little bit harder when you're not in your hometown and you're living off of a hotel, like as far as like your food and things like that and, and how often to eat when you're on set. Um, so that's definitely something that's going to come in the future. I just need to f- be more conscious about, um, or be more prepared as far as like my meal prepping and things like that when I'm working on set to be able to, to help with that.
1: Now. Okay. So you've worked with the rock and you've worked with, um, uh, Logan, now did you meet uh Wolverine? Just I didn't
2: get... <laughs> <comic name. laughs> yeah um I didn't get to meet Wolverine actually uh because all of my scenes were with uh richard um and and Daphne, so I got to work with them, but unfortunately not uh not with Logan no
1: okay. the reason I always bring that up is you mentioned that most of it is eating in respect to your fitness. Now, yeah. so so, what do you find yourself eating? Let's let's dig into your diet.
2: So I'm actually, I've actually gotten uh, really good about my diet. Uh, I've been a, um, it's going to be like a year or so now that I've been eating uh, paleo slash whole thirty. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just basically eating very clean. So you don't eat any processed food. You don't eat any gluten, any dairy. Uh, any beans or nuts. (laughs) So, um, it's just protein and vegetables, but I love to cook. I I love being in the kitchen and I love following recipes. I'm not one of those cooks that can see something be like, hmm, I'm going to make up a new recipe. No, I need to have the recipe and I follow it to the T. But I'm really good (laughs) at following it. Um, so I always look for those kind of stuff and At first it was hard because I grew up, literally my breakfast was coffee with milk and sugar, bread with water. Yes. So, and then pastelitos if we had some pastelitos. So that was, that was my breakfast growing up. So now, um, I've changed it and I thought it was going to be harder than what it was. Um, but I've definitely felt, I've definitely seen a change in, um, not only my body, but also my skin, my energy. Um, I don't get uh, sick as often. So it's just all these different things that I find that has helped me out a lot, um, with changing my, my diet. So it's just to answer your questions just any type of protein and then vegetables and salad and things like that.
1: So we just saw a couple of scenes where you're using your running skills as a police yes. officer. That's awesome.
2: And I love that. So when I, I want to tell you this for the kids, that was from Slice. Right. And that was the first scene that I had to do for that movie. So they have me all dressed up in the cop and they have the guy who's the stunt double, uh, for the young lady that I accidentally kill in, in the movie. Right. And they had him run. So they, you know, they had everything set up and they said, all right, when we say action, you're going to take off running and doors, you're going to run after him. Well, I don't think anyone on set knew that I was. I used to run track, oh, and nice. on top of that, I ran the hundred and the two hundred. So I had to be fast, like at the get go. So they said action, you know, and and I let him get to wherever he had to get to for me to start running for the camera to capture me. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think he he didn't he didn't know, but I ended up catching him. Well,
1: the scene So fantastic. They,
2: yeah, they had a cut, and they they're like, um, you need to, to run faster. And they, yeah. And he was just like, well, she ran too fast. And they're like, you're a dude. She shouldn't catch you. So you run faster. He's like, oh, okay. But it was the funniest thing because I I remember running and I was getting closer to him. And I was like, well, I need to keep the pace that the camera with the car is going. So I was like, well, he just needs to pick it up. And and sure enough, I caught him. And I was like, well, scene's over. Caught you. <laughs> we need to rewrite. <laughs>
1: All right, cool. So now let's let's show some of the comedic stuff. I'm gonna play the clip, or clips, because you're in a few different things. Um, So uh, let's take a look, guys, and then we'll hopefully Facebook will not kick me off because you know some of this is network television stuff. So there he goes.
2: Vas a capturar mi corazón.
0: Al contrario,
2: mi noble estrella del escenario y la pantalla. Me amarás. César, cuando me dijiste por primera vez que teníamos que enamorarnos o morir, pensé en escoger la muerte. Pero te amo.
1: Y yo a ti, mi pequeña y consentida hermosura.
2: 6 7 8 one Okay, All right, so that scene it mm-hmm.
1: from me, the Browns. I'm going to just cut it just in case, uh, basically, a little bit. Uh, Sorry. Uh, and Sorry. And see, because uh, they have, uh, even on the tests that I've done,
2: the me va- me I said, good job. Is there a problem? Is everything okay?
0: There's a man outside on the wing.
2: What? There's a man outside on the wing. Okay, sir. Look, now he's playing basketball. Okay. I'm gonna have to go call the captain. Excuse me. Excuse me, miss. Is the man still out on the wing? Oh, yes, he's barbecuing. Would you like a
0: hamburger? Uh, no, I'll pass. Okay. (laughs)
1: Awesome. You want me? <laughs> so uh my wife is a huge fan of um Jane the Virgin and yes. uh, she we were looking at clips yesterday as I was preparing for this and she's like I saw that episode <laughs> so um now I, I the, the funny story that I have and I'll share some story is um you know of course me working in film over the past few years uh, for about 20 years I haven't done it in a long time now um I've met celebrities, of course, and sometimes we've gone to dinner and things of that nature. Uh, they don't become too buddy-buddy for too long because people change their phone numbers and, you know, they have this thing about and, and whatever. So, for example, one day you'll be famous and, like, super famous and Carlos is like, what? Who's, who's Carlos? Whatever. Yeah, so, you know, and I'm okay. I'm prepared for that emotionally.
2: <laughs> but
1: but there have been times when I've been able to bring, let's say, a celebrity home and my wife had never experienced that and she, you know, when you're telling stories about who you've worked with, they just kind of become stories that there's no reality to it. There's no touch and feel. Right. So um, I was friends with Juanye Morris from Boys to Men, and I call my wife and tell her, hey, he's coming over for dinner. She's like, yeah, okay. So, you know, and, and we're coming from Atlanta, and it's like a 45-minute drive. And what's great is, my best part of the story is, he serenaded me in the car. And oh. that boy can sing, obviously. He's amazing at acapella. And so, so you know, I was all in tears. And so we go into the house, and I checked inside first. I said, well, let me make sure she's not, you know, like in kitchenware. I'll yeah. let her give her a chance to change. I go inside. And so because I went in first, she's like, yep, I knew it. No celebrity. So I opened the door all the way, and there he is. And she's like, oh, my God. And she's probably going to make mad at me <laughs> for sharing this story. She's like, oh, my God, I did not prepare, like, a really good meal. And, he, I mean, he was appreciative oh. regardless, <laughs> but <laughs> – but that's what happens when you don't believe in the story. So, do you ever have a story like that at all?
2: Um, I think it was, uh, yeah. For for um, for two guns, I, I actually brought my um, my family on set, and I was telling them, I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm you know shooting my scene today with with Denzel Washington," and my mom's a huge fan of his, and they were like, "Oh yeah, okay." And I was like, no, like, seriously, like, I'm sitting next to them. So um, when they, they flew, actually flew in when I was still on set. So they, um, they got to set and, and, you know, they brought him in and they're like, oh, well, Doris is in Valley and in the video village with, um, with the director. And what, excuse me, when they got there, it was literally the um, director, Denzel Washington and myself. And we were just chatting it up because we weren't um, I think they were moving something and they came and they sat next to me and they just like froze like they didn't say anything. They were just looking straight forward. And I was like, why are you acting so weird? You're just staring forward. and They're like, then Washington is right next to you. <laughs> I was like, yes, I told you I was talking to him. <laughs> Why is that a surprise to you? Did you think I was lying? <laughs> yeah, so that was a very uh fun time to like get them to be like starstruck and acting all weird.
1: Now you were recently married, didn't you? Yep. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Now
1: is he involved in this in the media at all?
2: Uh no. No he's not.
1: Okay. So here you are acting with the rock acting with all these handsome men. I'm not saying your, your husband isn't handsome, but, you know, he's got some competition. Does he have any issues with this?
2: Oh, no, not at all. Awesome. Not at all, yeah.
1: <laughs> Does he get to go around to his friends and brag, like, yeah, my is with Logan? Oh, of
2: course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and so, and you're going to have plenty of stories when you have children, if, if you plan on having children. I'm not gonna I'm not going to get into that conversation, but... Uh, you know if you do plan on having children and you have all these weird stories like when I you know, my kids I have my stories and they're just like my oldest daughter now is like okay dad the, the, none of those are real and my youngest is like you're my like, dad's you ask a hero. your
2: mom <laughs> so,
1: um so so you're going to have a lot of fun stories to share but uh
2: yes definitely
1: for you you you're doing dramatic roles which you do you do fantastically mm-hmm. i i mean i can almost tear up sometimes with the way you come out with your your performance, thank you. But at the same time, you're funny. So so now I, I find The Rock to have that similar. Mm-hmm. You know he, he may not think so, but Dwayne I've seen him acting and where there's some roles where you know you can almost tear up with some of the storyline, but then he does these comedic roles. So so what is your formula? What is is that a formula you're setting up for yourself, or do you just want to kind of do a little bit of everything? Tell me a little bit about what your thought process with that is.
2: Well, I enjoy acting, whether it's drama or comedy. There's definitely um, something uh, in my heart that I have for for drama. I've always been drawn to it. I've always loved, loved it. Um, there's just something about being able to connect to that story and be able not only to feel feel what that person would be feeling at that particular moment, but to also have other people that are watching you be able to feel that as well. Uh, A a great storyteller is just like having them feel like, wow, I I relate to that story or or that reminded me of something or I felt what they were feeling. I love that. At the same time with the comedy, it's, it's all about fun, like i growing up, I watched a lot of these sitcoms, and even though I never understood the technicality of it, uh the feeling that you get from making people laugh is also great. I do have a very quirky and and silly side to myself that not a lot of people know I think it's it's one of those things where I have it more um it's something more that like my inner circle gets to see a lot where you know, like everything that comes out of my mouth are just looking at me like, You're such a dork. Like, where do you come up with these random stuff? And I was like, I don't know, I just thought it was funny. I was like um so it's just these these quirkiness that I um that I share with with my close friends and family and then when I get to be on set with these um with comedy stuff, I get to show that. Uh I have no problem like Doing weird stuff that's gonna make me look silly or make me look ugly or make me look, uh, um, weird or quirky. Uh, that, that just, those are things that don't, don't really embarrass me. I, I sometimes wanna do stuff that embarrasses me or other people around me. So when I get to do comedy, it's, it's like I let, I, For I revenge. get to share with, yeah, I get to <laughs> share with like, my fans and my audience, you know, that silly quirkiness of me uh, that a very few people get to see.
1: That's cool Okay, yeah, so <laughs> uh, Like you mentioned you're cuban Venezuelan um, mm-hmm. I, w- I was wanted to ask you uh, what kind of style of food do you like to cook between those two? But we'll, we'll skip that for now um, okay. As a Latina so He to Latino um, and, and knowing some Latin artists and a lot of my interviews, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, that I've done on the Lounge Network, happen to be Latin musicians and filmmakers, but they're not singing in Spanish. Right. Now, I know you do Spanish. I know you I've, I've seen you get interviewed in Spanish. Yeah. Um, how much of being a Latina is now something that you're pushing in your acting? Because I know you do parts, obviously, Maria and other Latin uh, roles, but is that something you want to kind of maintain or do you want to kind of break through that and be like, look, I'm, I'm just ready to be a lead that has nothing to do with Latinness.
2: Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. And I've never, I've never hidden the fact that I'm, that I'm Hispanic. I love being Hispanic. I love uh, my heritage and, and, and everything that comes with it, the good and the bad. Uh, so to me, it's more about, getting these roles now that don't necessarily have me as being Latin, just have me being as a human being telling my story. Because at the end of the day, I I honestly feel like it doesn't matter where you're from, where you grew up, where, um, you know, your ethnicity, your, your religion, sexual orientation, all of that we still as humans have certain things that we all look for. And it's, you know, things like love, feeling, feeling secure, being a part of something. So that's what I want to do as an actress. I don't, I don't want to just be given these roles that are only for Hispanic because I can do so much more. My acting can do so much more and just to say like, oh, well, she can only do Hispanic is like saying that we as a as a Hispanic race are completely different and have different needs and wants, fears and 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 passions than any other ethnicity. Like we're all human beings and we all ultimately want the same few things. And so getting the opportunity to tell that story is to me the most important thing, I, I think. Um, you know, Jennifer Lopez has done a great job of, uh, sort of breaking out into that. Like some of the roles you see her do, they don't even give her a Hispanic name. And I think that's so beautiful. I mean, everyone knows that she's Puerto Rican. Um, right. but the fact that they, that they don't use a Hispanic name, at least to me says a lot because they're putting her in a, in a place where, hey, this particular character can be anything. But look at the story that she has to tell. Uh, just like, you know, Denzel Washington, it's, it's one of these things where he, he has these great lead roles and you're not sitting there thinking, Oh, this is a great role because he's African American is he, this is a great role because he's a great actor and yeah. he's bringing this story to life. And I think that's something that's very important because, um, we need to start seeing more diversity. So that, you know, every race is not pigeonholed to like, oh, if you're Hispanic, you're going to you're going to be the maid or you're going to be the one with a thick accent. I grew up in Miami, so I was never a minority in Miami. And, (laughs) you know, growing up over there, everyone around me was, uh, you know, their parents were doctors, lawyers,
0: (coughs) um, (coughs) uh, police
2: officers. Sorry about that. Um, you know, so I grew up seeing Hispanics being, uh, having every type of position that you can possibly imagine someone to have, like good and bad. So why can't we portray that in film and television? Like, we don't always have to be the immigrant, or we don't always have to be the ones, you know, with a drug problem or, or, or cleaning houses, like, we can be presidents and, and lawyers and all that good stuff.
1: Agreed. Now, you brought up some cool things. So, one, Jennifer Lopez, who obviously is in a lot of dramatic scenes now. Uh, her own TV shows that she's helping uh, co-produce. Um, and that seriousness of her acting and the connection with family and that type of stuff, uh, both with her. Uh, and, uh, my, my mind is going blank as the name of the show, but I'm a big fan of it.
2: Um, something Blue...
1: Yes. I want to say. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's on NBC. I, but, um yeah, you are in another film, and I think it's coming out. I'm not sure if it's out yet, called Misguided Behavior. Mm hmm. Okay, so I yeah, want to show the trailer, show and then movie. you can tell yeah. us a little bit about that if that's cool.
2: Yeah, of course. Awesome.
1: So here is Misguided Behavior.
2: Degree. Let's enroll him in the public school in hopes that he might become more so. So, probably your face masking is being more social. Callie Winbrook, the pre H girl in our whole school, invited me to her mom's tenth festival.
1: Lance, shut up. What does he want with you?
2: For me to stay away from her. Did you see the shooter? Are you a student? Yes. Yes, I'm a student. I was right by the shooter when he pulled the gun. Is he a student? Yeah.
1: Let's enter the mind of the victim. He's the quiet one. Look, you probably missed him. Keep to himself. Be humble, driven, and so focused. But the fear got him feeling things. It's so hopeless. Getting harassed and embarrassed. Now he's
0: feeling low. Trouble <laughs> everywhere he turned. Don't know where Not to anymore. go. Bullies hitting him, throwing bottles of trash at him. Can't confide in nobody because they all laugh at him. Us spoke to parents, said they won't understand this it's the third time, it's time got I'm concerned about It's stupid Someone brought a gun to the school this morning So basically you gotta stay away from me Why I do that? Police are calling this an active shooter situation As authorities search for a suspect We'll continue to follow this story and bring you more information as it becomes available
2: we're out here risking our lives every day, and you gotta go home and act like nothing happened. I guess it was on exist in my life. You gotta pray to God that you find your gun. I got a five-minute
0: ETA. We got medical units on the way. Come on, pick up. You messed up today. You did what any good cop
2: would do. You saved the life. You saved a kid's life.
1: someone has got to do something about this curve. Open the door. Open the door. Open the
0: door. Open the door. Door.
1: Door. Okay, so to me that's a really powerful not only a trailer, but um It's just a very serious overall tone, especially in our world of today. So tell me a little bit about this movie.
2: Uh, So the movie Misguided Behavior, it deals with not only school bullying, but also gun violence in the school. And it was a very strong script because of everything that's been going on with our society of kids feeling marginalized, uh, especially now with social media it's become more and more common to see kids uh, be victims of bullying and be the ones that bully because they can hide behind the mask that is uh, the internet and and the computer and the, the apps. So this movie brings a light to that. And I think one of the beautiful things that they did was make sure that parents become aware and do a better job of asking questions. There's a lot of stories in there where you, you see kids um, commit suicide because of the bullying, because of the shaming that comes with it. And a lot of times, uh, like they mentioned in the film, it, it could have been avoided or it could have been prevented had there been more communication or better communication because these kids felt so ashamed of the stuff that was going on but no one even bothered to see how they were being bullied online. So it's definitely a very touching subject, but it's definitely a subject that needs to be talked about.
1: Now, uh, are you involved in, in, in any of those type of things? And not in bullying, of course, but, um, yeah, just let me, tell me if you're involved with any of these organizations, for example, that might be like anti-bullying or anything. <laughs>
2: Uh, I haven't uh, started working with one particular organization as far as uh, the bullying goes. I've done more work with um, uh, organizations that deal with women who've been in the sex trafficking, uh, just helping them find a way out of out of that industry and, and find healing, and uh, different organizations with also with with animals with. Schools, though, um, even though we did talk a little bit about bullying, um, I have gone out to schools, uh, especially schools that have, um, they're considered um, high risk children in their kids who've been caught fighting or bringing something into school, they've gotten suspended from their regular school. And they go to these schools to uh, spend anywhere from three months to a whole school year until they they get them back on track to be able to go back to their regular school and I've gone in and talked to them you know we've talked about the bullying but more so than not we've talked at least on my end talked to them about finding value in themselves I I feel like a lot of them their story was like well I'm already in here so what's the point or I'm where I'm growing up is not a a safe place. So why I'm never going to leave out of this, this community. So why even try? So it was more talking about finding their self value and finding ways to uh, use this fear, this anger that they had rather than taking it out on other kids, but realizing that like, these other kids are going through the same things that you're going through one way or another, they're having their own insecurities. And rather than attacking each other, if we can work together, we'll be able to do more um, as far as healing and then also getting further in life.
1: Awesome. Okay. Now um, on the last uh, thing. I've already had you close to an hour and I so much appreciate your time. Um, <laughs> you have, uh, in my opinion, have kind of mastered the art of using social media to promote yourself. Now uh, you know, I follow you on Instagram and obviously Facebook um, Sometimes I don't, I'm not a big Twitter person, but you know, it's a Twitter. So, so tell me a little bit about if there's a strategy behind it, what your thoughts are, or do you have a team behind it? I know right now you're with a PR agency, so that's fantastic. Um, so can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that?
2: Yeah. The, um, social media was one of those things where I, I wasn't a fan of uh, at the beginning because I didn't understand the, the ability that it gave me to connect with people that want to see my journey and and support my journey because they've they've either just met me now through like a film that i just did or or like yourself who met me right when i was starting off so i once i saw the the possibilities of it where it wasn't just about me posting random pictures but me posting things uh, about myself so that people could get to know me better but also get to know my work more and I think that was the the pivotal point once I realized hey this isn't uh, this isn't a burden but it's a a way for me to stay connected with with those that that I love and love me and and support me and and want to see me do better so that was um, the switch and after that um, it's just become a lot easier. Like I understand more of, um, having contact. That's one of the things I I always try to respond to all the comments that I get on my Instagram, for example, anyone that posts any of, um, any comments on my, on the post or videos that I put up, I usually try to make it a point to respond to them because, you know, the, these are people that are taking time off of their busy schedule to to interact with me and, and share with me um, their thoughts about what I'm what I'm putting up there. So I'm very grateful for that. <clears throat> I'm grateful to the people who do follow me on on social media. Instagram, I would say I'm on there more often. Um, and then Facebook, I used to I have Twitter. It's just, um, one of those things where, like you said, like I'm more of an Instagram, Facebook person. Yeah. But I, I definitely try to make sure that I'm available as much as I can, uh, to, to the people who are so supportive of me because where would, you know, as actors, if we're not performing for someone and changing lives, uh, motivating people to follow their dreams, then, we might as well be in our bedrooms acting for ourselves. So I'm I'm definitely so appreciative of of my of the social media and like the the love that I receive. Uh, that's been like something very very um, rewarding for me. Um, it's it's the the support again. Yeah, like when I post something, especially like my work, and people get to see it and they're like, "Oh wow, I didn't know you had done this." Um, it always feels Great, because it lets me know, okay, these are my audience and they're liking my work. Now I can, now what I need to do is get better and keep pushing and keep pushing.
1: And now, so do you find that there's a strategy behind the way you're, you're handling your social media? Like, for example, uh, what's the best time of day? Or um, I know sometimes you put, uh, you know, inspiring quotes with your your photographs, yeah. stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that for me was something, um, very personal to me. I love inspirational quotes. I love when I read them and, and they just trigger something where I'm just like, oh, wow, that, you know, that spoke to me. And so I remember when I first started posting, it was always very hard for me, um, to think about what to, what to write on the quote because a lot of times like the picture said what it was and it just kind of seemed, mundane to, you know, write what was on the picture. And I've always, like I said, read a lot of positive quotes, but I also like sharing them to my friends. And I just kind of, it kind of merged into this thing of like, well, if I if there's something where the picture speaks for itself, then I should write motivational quotes that have some relationship to the picture uh, not necessarily about the picture but just have something so that people can see the picture but then get something inspirational from it so that it's not just me hey here look at my stuff but I want to be able to give something back to those who come to my page and take the time to look at my at my pictures or my videos I want to give something back to them and give them something to take back and that's something that's been really rewarding like those are usually like a lot of the comments that I get. Was wow, thank you for this quote. It was amazing. It spoke to me. It helped me. Um, and so it makes me feel great because I know that now this person is feeling a little bit better because I took, you know, the extra time to look for quotes and and find the right one um, for that for that picture.
1: Okay. Last thing. Yes. You have a niece, a nephew you know, a young family friend. What would be your biggest words of follow your passion?
2: Um, well, for for them and for anyone, it's, um, I strongly believe like we were all put in this earth to fulfill something, and only we know what it is, because it's something that we keep thinking about. And whether we're scared of doing it or not, it always comes back to us. Uh, So I think my biggest thing would be, uh, you need to share, you need to share that, that gift with the world. And I read somewhere where it talked about that it talked about how people don't, follow their dreams or don't pursue their dreams because of fear of failure and or fear that they will get to where they want to get to. And then like, how do I do this? And they don't know by shutting that light on their dream, who else they are leaving behind and not motivating. And I look at it even through my own life, where I've had a lot of People come up to me and ask me questions like, How do I get started? Where do I get started? And I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have anyone guide me through it. It was literally like just one person. I met one person, and that person introduced me to the next one. But I never had anyone where I can look up to and say, Oh wow, this is how they did it. Let me let me ask them. So if maybe there was someone growing up that I could have looked up to and would have been doing what I did, but then maybe they didn't follow their dreams. So it made it a little bit harder for me because it took me longer to get to where I was. So I think if everyone looks into themselves and says, Hey, I have a gift and there's something in me that I was created for. And I might not change the world, but I might change a person's life that will change the world. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would say, like you need to, you need to let that gift that you have shine and be shown in the world because it's not going to do anything. A light under, under you know, a, a casing or something is not going to shine. So you need to lift that up so that light can shine.
1: Awesome. Doris, I'm not going to take any more of your time. Um, if anybody has any questions, uh, feel free to put them in there. Uh, mostly everything that people are saying are – just well said. Uh, they seem to be loving a lot of things that you're talking about and saying, particularly uh, our Latin viewers. Uh, and, and somebody just said, Amen, Doris. So uh, I think they're they're loving you. I'm hoping uh. that we get a chance to follow <laughs> your career more. Um, I wish yes. you the best. I can't wait to see you, like at least at some thank award so ceremony.
2: Thank you Carlos. Amen. <laughs> <in. laughs>
1: and um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, uh, Doris, yes. and your PR company for thank setting you. this up. Uh, do you want to give some, um, your, your PR company, uh, their name?
2: Yeah. Um, my PR company is Espada PR and it's Jasmine Espada and Camila Cortez. And they're absolutely amazing. Um, they're the best thing that's, that's come into, (laughs) into my career. Um, because they're, they're great. I mean, you got to talk to them. So,
1: yeah. So I would love to work with them more, uh, maybe, uh, cover some of their other artists that they might be covering. Uh, I'm going to let you go because I know I've been holding you for over an hour because we had our little tech issues uh, with yeah. the audio that you're having. Uh, and uh, thank them for me for, for figuring it out and setting it up.
2: Will uh, you. Thank
1: you, all viewers. Um, I'm just going to quickly glance to see if there's anybody who has any questions. Nope. I think you probably covered everything, so that's great. Uh, awesome. And thank you. All I can say is thank you. So. Uh, no, thank you.
2: Take care, you. guys. You. I had a great time.
1: I just want to have uh, us wave goodbye to everybody as we have our little end credits. So have a great night. Thank you for watching <laughs> us live, everybody. Take care. Thank you, Bubbler Media. And this is the Lounge Network, the Indie Lounge Show.